And so, hey, Venue Search, we own property, a brand new building, five bays of that building right beside us. Thank you, Jesus. It's awesome. I didn't have to do a parking agreement, which means we have control as a church. And so that's a huge deal. I cannot wait. Look, the church is going to explode in the fall. So we're going to, you know, I want you to get a rest in the summer slash come to church and help us build it. Um, that's restful. Um, but keep in mind what we're doing in the fall is God is going to add to this church. And so I want you to come in and I want you to be a part of that before it gets here so that you can get on the ground floor of what God is doing for a four-year-old church to be able to do this, guys, is pretty incredible. So look, God has been good to us. Uh, you've been generous with the Lord. I never, I, I never worry about asking God's people for God's money. Should I? Every time that you give to God, God turns around and multiplies it and gives it back to you. So, you know, here's the deal. We've been able to get into that building. We've been able to do the, we'll be able to do the build out. You know, we're borrowing obviously, but to be able to do a down payment for a church that's uh, as new as us is pretty incredible. Um, but we're gonna do a cash call for, to furnish the building and equipment and production. And it's gonna be the best place that you can invite your neighbor. Just be like, oh my goodness, you have to come to my church. And we want to be a church that we can be proud of, that we can invite people in. We want to build the temple right. And so to do that, I'm going to ask for generosity. I mean, everybody was telling me like, yeah, you need to do a cash call before all of this. And I'm like, I'd rather have a building so that I could show them and be like, that's why we need it. And, and we need it. So it won't make sense to you until your neighbor, we could do church under a tree if you want, but your neighbor's not going to that. And so, uh, we, we really want to reach into every area in this city and uh, with the love of God's mercies and grace. Hey, we have a baptism coming up. You know, I had a, in two weeks and I had a realization that most people getting baptized haven't even seen a venue baptism because of COVID and like, oh my goodness, we've baptized so many people as a church. We've baptized nearly a hundred people as a church, um, so far. And, uh, God has blessed us with lots more. You're going to, it's going to be an incredible day. If you've never been to a venue baptism, it is just the power of God touching the earth and, and your family, your spiritual family is with you. It's great. If you, if you need to get baptized, if you're considering it, we have some info at the box office. We'd love to help you uh, uh, with that decision. Father's Day is coming next week. And so it's gonna be like, it's gonna be awesome for the guys. Is that okay to say? Cause like we're, there's a lot of us. You know, Venue Church has a high percentage of men that come to it for typical churches, like a really high percentage. People come in and they're shocked. They're like, oh my goodness, how do you guys get so many men here? I'm gonna preach a sermon next week at Father's Day about why church has to be a church that men want to go to. It can't look, all y'all girls would go to church no matter how bad it was because you're spiritual and you, I don't know, you're just better than we are. But man, venue church has to be a church that men can be invited to and that men love to come to. And I'll show you why next week it's going to be, man, when the sons of, sons of God rise up, uh, it's going to be great. Okay. Th this, this is our third part in the God complex series. Anything that sits in the throne of your life that wants to decide what's right and wrong for you. We've talked about anything deciding what's right and wrong for you is trying to be your God. Now it can be the only God or it can be something else that the enemy is trying to do in your life. If your own brain sits on the throne of your life, that's going to be a problem. That's you don't want a God that's with a little G in your life. You want the God of all creation, the father of Jesus at work in your life. Today's sermon is called dust to dust. We're going to go right back to the very beginning of Adam and Eve. And, uh, it's going to be great and a little bit funny too. I think, thank you, Sean. I'm going to explain to Sean why they have marriage fights. It started, you know, honestly enough, dishonestly enough, uh, back in the time of Adam and Eve, and it's going to clear up a lot of things for you, I think.
Hopefully, because that's why you're here, right? <laughs> if I don't get some feedback here, I'm, I'm going to preach for three hours straight. You know that I will. I will totally do that. I'll keep you in here. Hey, uh, online audience, welcome. Uh, maybe if these people here don't love me, maybe you will a little bit. Uh, but we need to see you here because there's nothing like being in the house of God. Come on, let's welcome them back. I'm telling you, there's nothing like when the subwoofers are super loud. Um, Paul the Apostle said this to the Ephesian church. He said something that, that you think you understand, but he understood it better because he's Paul the Apostle and wrote half of the New Testament and you didn't. Um, he said, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. And you're like, yeah, but he didn't have my husband. And he's like, yeah, but you haven't been whipped by the Jews. Uh, five times he said from the Jews, five, th that's five. I was, I was working on my thumb coming out there. Five times he said, I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Why? Because 40 was supposed to kill a person. How did they know? Because they'd killed people. 39 lashes, five times from the Jews, he said. But my fight was not against the hand that held the whip. The fight was not a flesh and blood fight. He's like, that's not who I'm fighting against. He's like, I'm not distracted. Y'all need to be not distracted. He said, here's what I fight against, against evil rulers, against authorities of the unseen world. You're like, he's talking about the government, not the enemy, not the enemy. I feel like some people need me to not the enemy, like for reals. No, no, he's talking about a different government in the unseen world. The physical world comes from the unseen, the spiritual world. Like there's Luke Skywalker, but there's Darth Vader. And if you watch the news, you see a lot of Darth Vader out there right now. So yeah, God is love, but the devil is hate. And so everything bad happening in the world is coming from a source. There's something that's, he says, against mighty powers in this dark world. Like they're mighty, not compared to the mighty one, of course, because he is almighty, but mighty against you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty big deal down here. And against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So <clears throat> did you know that as a son or daughter of God, if you've given your life to Jesus, um, you're like, yes, this is the purpose of my life. Uh, my sins are a problem. I need the blood of Jesus to cover my sins. I need to be adopted is what I need. And the blood of the, the, the firstborn, Jesus, is, the, is what gives you the relationship with God. It's not a system of beliefs that saves you. It's a relationship that you can't buy. You can't do anything to get this relationship. You just come into the family and like, okay, so I'm going to serve the family now. Now the rest of my life is going to be you, God. You make my decisions for me. The God complex. God actually wants to be God and he's irritating because he thinks that he is. Now, now you were made to be an arrow in the hand of the Lord. But this is what the devil does. He points you at your boss and he says, there's your problem. Whoever aims you, whomever aims you at perceived enemies might be your God with a little G. Whoever can point you, get you to shoot at, whoever can fire you at, a perceived enemy might be sitting on the throne in your life in an area. So it might not be God Almighty because God Almighty will never fire you at the wrong enemy. But whoever can point you at the wrong enemy it might have a foothold in your life. And God is going to show you. And right back to Adam and Eve, um, you're going to see how this works. Have you ever struggled against the wrong enemy? I mean, the Apostle Paul would be like... So I used to struggle against 
Loki. The god of mischief in my family growing up. His name was Ryan, my little brother. Anybody have a little brother? Anybody have a little sister? You know what I'm talking about right now. The, 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 the god Loki, the, the god of mischief. And the devil could point me at Loki, but see, Loki's not really the... Does anybody... Anybody... My, my daughter, Katie, she's so weird. She likes Loki. She's like, Loki is my favorite Avenger. I'm like, Loki is trying to kill the Avengers. He's a sneak. There's something wrong with... She's like, I like Loki. I'm like, nobody likes Loki. Loki doesn't even like... Loki does like Loki. That's part of the problem. And so... So... But see, the devil... My brother, Ryan, look, and we have a great relationship and it wasn't really this bad, but I'm going to play it up a little bit because it's pretty funny. My brother, Ryan, had this way of getting the devil to point me at him as if he was the enemy without too much problem. He would wait until my dad was either in the room because I had a short attention span and a very narrow focus. And he would wait till my dad was either in the room with us or like entering the room. And he would lean over to me and he would look at me and be like, hey, fatty. What's up, fatty? I had a bit of a weight problem when I was a kid. I don't know where this came from because I literally never did anything wrong to that kid. <laughs> Do your parents ever have a kid that they never disciplined? And you're just like, to honor the Lord and to honor my father, I'm going to lay hands on and pray for this child right now because my dad's not doing a job. He did a great job with me. He's still doing a great job with me, but he's not disciplining this kid. And I know the last thing I want is Ryan to grow up to be the God of mischief. I don't want that for my brother. And because I care so deeply and spiritually for him, I'm going to put my hands on him a little bit and worry him a little bit. Maybe reach out and give him a, you know, punch in the shoulder. I mean, things were a little bit physical back then. Come on. It's a little physical. Sometimes you can punch the devil out of your brother. This is going to go south really quickly here. He would always do it when dad was in the room, right? And so me, I just got no filter whatsoever. And so, and then I'd look up and here's dad, like literally right there. My dad's like, what are you doing? Like, at least wait till I'm not in the room. You know, my brother, he would just wait for these right moments and just snag me in there. I never thought that far ahead, right? So boom. And then it would happen and, and he would just round me up, you know, sometimes he'd say it and he'd run because he knew what he was going to say. And then he'd get a head start on me, right? And so I'm trying to like, get a hold of him and bless him. And he'd hide in the bathroom. And then I would be faced with a 50, 50 decision. Cause I'm like, I know he can get out the window and onto the deck real quick, but he's also knows that I know that. And so he'll wait till I get out on the deck and then he'll escape here. And so do I do the 50, 50? Do I go to the kitchen and get the pen and the inside of the pen? You can Jimmy the bathroom doors open. Has anybody done that? You can get the bathroom door open. And then you're like, ah, uh, here I am. It's a day of judgment, Ryan. Or do I wait, do I go around and do I do the 50-50? And then sometimes what Ryan would do is he would, he would go to the, he would, he would say it in the other end of the house and he would hide in the other bathroom. The other bathroom didn't have a door that you could jimmy open. So it was a, one of those sliding like pocket doors, but like made out of cedar. And so he could just lock it and I couldn't get in there. The only way to get in it would be to like break the door down. But if I ever did that, dad would break me down. And so one time I was, he, he had escaped in there and I was so angry at Ryan, you know, I may have had an anger problem. I was so angry at Ryan that my bow and arrow were sitting right by the back door. And, um, that was normal back then, man. You, you ate what you killed. Life was tough. 
you never know when you're going to have to shoot something out in the yard. And so my bow and arrow were there. So I took my, my bow and I used the end of it and I scratched in the door because I was so mad at Ryan and I wanted him to know that I was angry at him because he didn't know already. And so I scratched in the door. Ryan is a big door. And then I'm like, I don't know any swear words. And if I did, I better not put them in there. And I did the, I called him the worst thing that a young boy could think of to call his brother. And I said, Ryan is a girl. Because girls are the source of cooties when you're a young boy. We don't know that girls, and girls, if you're young, I mean, if you're a young girl, you know that boys are like smelly and stupid. And every boy in the room is like, hey, we might be smelly and stupid. But what was the other thing? You just, you didn't say that's it? Oh. I'm going to be talking about gender competition in today's sermon. I'm going to show you where it started. I'm going to show you that if the devil can point you at each other, he's got you. But that's not the real enemy. So buckle up. It's going to be a great sermon. And the devil could point me at my brother. See, my struggle, though, and, and that's in a cedar door I scratched that. Why didn't I do a test strip? Because, and just take my fingernail and try to scratch it out of there or take some sanding paper and be like, oh, that'll come out after I'm, you know, after I cool off, right? Yeah, well, it doesn't come out of cedar. And it's still in that house. So everybody who goes to the bathroom in that house knows that my brother Ryan is a girl. <laughs> everybody. The devil could just point me at will at my brother. And, and I would think that my brother is the enemy. No, I think the real enemy in that situation was that I was insecure about my weight. The, the real enemy, yeah, the, the devil was definitely using my brother. But the real enemy was that I had an anger problem and my reaction needed to be owned by the Holy Spirit. And thank God for good, strong-willed parents who were more stubborn than I was that taught me that, hey, you're responsible for your reaction no matter what anybody says about you. And now that they're just finding out that he used to call me fat, I don't know if he's going to get disciplined now. <laughs> you show up at his house and be like, Ryan, it's time. And videotape that. That would be amazing for me. That would be good for my soul. Good for my mental health, right? Do you have bitterness against anybody? Does somebody at work sit in the back of your mind all week long and you think about them all day? If the devil can point you at somebody in your home or uh, create a power struggle and point you at them and say they're the enemy, that it's likely that if, if they're the enemy in your mind and your, all your mind and your thought is obsessed about this situation you don't have control over, it's likely that you're not fighting the very battle that would get the devil off of your back. It's likely that you're not fighting the very battle that God wants to point you at if the devil has been able to point you at whoever he can point you at. What if the, what if the, spirit, what if the enemy wasn't your dad anymore? Maybe you were mistreated by your father. And what if the enemy wasn't him? What if the enemy was the devil that got to him? Because if the devil can focus you on your dad, you can live for decades and you're still thinking about your dad all the time. And if the devil can focus you at him, it's more likely that he can turn you into him because you're not fighting the thing that made him that you're fighting him and the devil, he, he'll have a laugh. He doesn't care because that's not the real enemy is somebody who, who let the devil in and, and who is themselves in some regard a victim. And if you keep thinking about them, a victim of what the devil is trying to do in their life, 
then the devil might turn you into that person. Now, what if every time you had a conflict at work, what if you did this instead? See, the devil's trying to tear God's kingdom down in your life. He's trying to tear people down in your life. People for whom Jesus died. People who Jesus loves, even if they're unforgiven because they haven't received it yet. People that Jesus himself died for. What if every time the devil tries to tear somebody down in your life, you lift them up in the spirit? What if you like, I forgive my dad and I pray a blessing over his life. I pray forgiveness for him. I pray he's not always going to be addicted. He's not always going to be angry. He's not always going to be filled with lust. He's not. I, I prophesy a spirit of freedom. I prophesy a spirit of over my controlling boss. I prophesy that they would just relax. She needs to relax. And I pray, I pray that they would know that I'm not against them. I am for them. I'm going to help them. Lord, I pray that they would understand that. Lord, I, I bless. Let's talk about marriage. What if the enemy wasn't actually your spouse? I mean, what would you do with your mental space? What would you do with your girlfriends when you're talking and you just had nothing negative to say about him because you're like, oh, it's not him. It's the devil. Sometimes he gets a hold of me. You know what we do? What if it wasn't... What if you started saying the things about him that God is saying about him? Because that's what faith is, you know. Faith is saying something that's not a reality yet, but it's going to be a reality. And faith is the thing that unlocks that reality. And you're like, well, that can't happen just by saying something. Well, no, obviously God's going to have to do it. But you're telling God, hey, not only here's permission to do it, but I'm going to help you, God, in any way that I can here. Because sometimes you got to unlock a door before he can unlock a door. And so, and so it's like, I'm going to, what if you actually started saying the things about you that God thinks about you? I'm not always going to have this issue. I'm not always going to be lazy. I thank you, Lord, for a spirit of industry. I thank you that the same spirit that caused Jesus, that caused God to make the world in six days would be in me. I'm going to make all these bedrooms up in six days. And I'm going to, I mean, come on, what if you actually started like, I am a daughter of God. I'm a son of God. I can do this thing in my, I can't, we can go out and do this. What if every time the devil tried to tear you down and to bring a curse into your life, you brought a blessing into somebody else's life. If I was the devil, I'd get pretty tired of that. If every single time I, I couldn't distract you from the real enemy and you actually went after the real enemy, I man, if I was the devil, I'd probably start leaving that thing alone after a while because every time that I try to hurt you, you hurt me in 10 different ways. That's, what, that's how we fight. We don't fight our battles across. No, no, it's not them. It's not them. What if you ganged up against the real issue in your marriage? What if you ganged up with your teenager against the real issue, which is not them being a teenager? It's the devil. What if you actually ganged up together and like, hey, we're going to beat this thing together. Hey, I'm going to support you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to pray over you every single day. And every time you mess up, I'm going to, I'm going to pray twice as hard for you. And I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to say words that God thinks are true about you. Hey, you are pure. You are holy. God is going to beat this. You are going to, come on, you're going to get married one day. You're going to have a great relationship. You are not who you are right now. You are not going to be that person tomorrow in the name of Jesus. Genesis chapter one. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. So you are made in, in the image of and the likeness of God. And that's why the devil hates you so much. Because something in your life reminds you of your father in heaven. And he hates you for it. He hates that in this broken world that you can find the joy of the Lord. Sometimes he hates that about you. He hates that no matter what he does with sin, it can be forgiven. He hates that you're the one who gives forgiven. 
He hates that about you. It says male and female, he created them. So much confusion nowadays and so much competition. We're going to talk about the competition and where it started. Then God blessed them. See, anything that's blessing comes from God. Anything that's cursing comes from the devil. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the, the ground. Then God looked over all he had made. He saw it was very good. Everybody say very good. It's not just a little good. It was very good. Nothing about it was bad. Nothing about it was harmful. Nothing about this is God's intention. Just give us two chapters because we messed it up. This is God's intention. And this is where heaven returns us to. It's the state where everything is very good. Genesis chapter 3. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. So the Lord made the serpent. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit? from any of the trees of the garden? Now the serpent, um, when they were created, they were actually created beautiful. Um, it was only after the fall that they were cursed to slither around and be basically snakes like you see now. Um, and so they were beautiful. So did they walk upright? Did they, they were a beautiful uh, creature, but I've been thinking about this, you know, don't think that the serpent was the devil. No, the Lord made the serpent and the Lord made the serpent for the garden. And so God didn't put the devil in the garden. See, the devil was looking for a way in, but he couldn't get in without permission from somebody who was in. He can't use you in your life till you give him permission. He can't, he can't be at work in the world unless there's permission. And the church and the body of Christ, our job is to give that permission that we took. Be like, you don't have permission here anymore. Holy Spirit, come and move among us. Oh, Jesus, come and save us. Oh, Lord, save my neighbors, you know. And so, so it says that the serpent was the shrewdest of all the creatures that God had made. Which means that the devil always picks the smartest one because he can trick the smartest one. And so the devil is looking for a receptacle to repeat his words in the garden to Eve. And sometimes the smarter you are, the easier it is for him to trap you. Because all of a sudden he started sounding pretty convincing to the serpent. And the serpent must have given him permission. And here is where we find ourselves. Now the serpent in one sentence adds a question mark to Eve's mind. And asks her something ridiculous, which the devil will do to you. It's called a setup. So in one sentence, this is what, this is what he did. He's like, did God say you can't eat any of the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Well, no, God didn't. God made all of the fruits. There might have been 10,000 trees in the garden. God made it all for Adam and Eve. And in one sentence, the devil focuses her on the only thing that she can't have, which is the only thing, ironically, that would destroy her. But he does this to you sometimes because he'll be like, did God really say about all of you? You're not allowed to do anything fun? Did God really? You're not allowed to like really do. Why? Because he wants you to think that you're smarter than he is. He wants you to be able to correct him. Because if, if, if you correct him and like, no, that's not what it is, then he gets to say the next thing. Yeah. And if he says the next thing, he's got you. I guess the real question is, why are we talking to the devil at all? Why are we watching that thing at all? Like, you know where it's going. Now, um, of course we may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden. The woman are probably like, oh no, let me, um, you've been misinformed. Let me help you. Now she thinks she's smarter than the devil because she's corrected him. 
It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. Catch that. If you do, you will die. She misrepresents God here, but I don't know that she did this on purpose, but you're still responsible for misrepresenting God if you misrepresent God. So if you grew up in a home where, where your mom hated God and hated the church, you're still responsible for misrepresenting God because your mom was very misinformed. Like you're still responsible for misrepresenting. Now, she said, you shall not eat it. God said, you shall not eat it. And then she adds this, you shall not touch it or you will die. Well, God didn't give this command to her. God gave this command to Adam. You remember we talked, I think last week about, hey, God gives you a word to somebody. If you don't go to that somebody, you don't get the word from God sometimes because he speaks through whomever he speaks through. He can speak through a donkey if that's what you want. If you're going to be stubborn, he'll speak through a donkey. He'll speak through something that's even more stubborn than you. And so he didn't give this command to Eve. He gave it to Adam to give to Eve. And so you must not... So he said to Adam, don't eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. And then Adam comes home later that day and he's like, so what did God say? And Adam's, you know, monkeying with the remote. He's like, God. Yeah, you met with God this morning. What do you say? This is every conversation in our marriage. Yeah, no, what did they say? Man, all my words are used up by the time it's dinner time. I'm like, I, yeah, um... It was about a tree. Well, which tree? So many questions, ladies. Um, the one in the middle, the bad one. Yeah, what about the tree? We're not supposed to, there was something about it. We're not supposed to climb it. We're not supposed to do something. Well, what? What did he say? We're not supposed to eat. We're not supposed to eat of the fruit. So don't eat the fruit. Are, can we walk around it? Can we touch the fruit? And Adam's like, yeah, let's say we can't do that. Let's, let's not do that too. But both of them are implicated because it was Adam's job to communicate it. Right? And we got it wrong. But Eve, I got to say, you know, if, if you're married to somebody and God is telling them something, why don't you go and ask about 50 more questions and get down to the meat of it and be like, I think you need to meet with God again about this. I don't want to question your like everything, but I just want to say like, if, if I can't be there when God is speaking, you need to write it down because like this whole thing is not working for us. I don't know if I'm allowed to climb it or eat it or not, or if that's even the tree, I'm, I just want to know, right? I just want to know so that we don't do something real stupid. Watch well, what the devil is trying to do. See, the devil is trying to aim her at God. And if you misrepresent God, he's aiming you at God. So now his, now he doesn't even have to get her to eat. All he has to get her to do is to touch it because if she touches it, eating will follow. And he says to her, he says to her, you won't die. No, you touch it. Here, just touch it. You won't die. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God knowing both good and evil. Wait, wait, wait. Weren't they already like God? Weren't they already made in the image of God? But see, when the devil whispers to you and starts aiming you at other things, he's going he's gonna to say like, hey, but you need to be like God and you're going to forget that you already are. But what he's really saying to her is like, hey, you need to actually be God because that's what I went for. Knowing both good and evil, experiencing both good and evil. Now he's like, you actually have the capacity to be God. Hey, don't be happy anymore with just being like God and being made in the image of God. Now you can actually be like, like God, if you know what I'm saying. 
And uh, uh, a man named Don Stewart in a commentary says, though Satan's words were literally true, it meant something very different from what he promised. God knows evil only to hate it. See, God doesn't experience evil. That would make him not God and not holy. But everything about him, like he is who he is. He is good. He is holy. He is. But he knew good and evil, but he didn't know it experientially. He's the only one with the capacity to know it without experiencing it. And, and this man says, innocent humanity could only know about evil by being able to participate in it. This discovery would cause their ultimate demise. So now the devil has focused her on the only thing that she can't have. And the devil focuses you on the only thing in your boss that day that's going to be a negative thing. But there's so many good things that you don't even think about them anymore. You think about the one thing. And the devil has aimed you at something that God is doing like 99 great things in your life. But you got one problem with one child and they just won't eat their veggies. And that's just wrecking your whole day. And God's like, look around. It's just a small, blend it up and make cookies out of it. Like you just. Like blend up veggies and make cookies out. It would work for me. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. Yeah, a different kind of a wisdom, a carnal wisdom. Which means that you and I, we have this deep desire for wisdom that doesn't come from God. Because God's wisdom is, is, it doesn't play well into your pride because God doesn't think that you can handle knowing everything. He just wants to tell you the one thing sometimes. And if you lack trust in God or you, you got, the devil has pointed you at God and is like, yeah, uh, he really wants to take things from you. And God tells you, I just want you to forgive your husband. And you're like, yeah, but what else do you want? Look, God, he just wants you to do the next thing so that he can bring the next blessing into your life so that he can tell you the next thing so he can bring the next blessing into your life. You don't have to know everything. And if you knew everything, you wouldn't know what to do with it. And it says, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, Adam, who was with her. You ever read it like that? Like, it's like how it says, who was with her and he ate it too. What was he doing? You ever been with a man who was like with you, but not like with you, with you, right? Like, what are you thinking about right now? Nothing. It's always a trick question. Like nothing. We're not lying. And then you're like, no, you're thinking about something. We're like, no, for reals. We're totally not. Nobody here know any men? No, like we're not lying to you. We were not thinking about anything. Do we have to think about something all the time? We didn't know that was part of the deal. And so, so Adam, has he been with Eve while she's talking to the serpent who's doing all of this stuff? Has he been with her? Where along the way did he come into the picture? But he comes in and he's still not fully engaged. Come on, man. We can get fully engaged with what's going on around us too. I don't know what Adam's doing. You know, like, what's he doing? Like, <laughs> those monkeys. And he's like having this deep conversation with this serpent about this forbidden tree. And Adam's like, those monkeys, man. Those silly monkeys. I love monkeys. Our monkeys great. You're watching YouTube videos of monkeys. Oh, this is great. Those monkeys. And your wife's talking to the devil. And your teenage kids watches every like those monkeys. And then, then she hands him a, a fruit, you know, a piece of fruit. He's like, yeah, monkeys like fruit. You know, like, I mean, for reals. Where's Adam? Both were implicated in this. It wasn't just Eve acting independently here. Adam was with her. But we didn't step in and do what God wanted us to do. 
He ate it. At that moment, their eyes were opened. They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Now, this is where the first layers between us and God begins. Now, now sexuality outside of God's way of sexuality, which is for your pleasure, enjoyment, fulfillment, anything outside of that brings shame. And it starts right here. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid. For the first time, we hid. Light came into the world, but we hid from it, it says, because our deeds were evil. And uh, they hid from the Lord walking among the trees. I feel like maybe right here, I, I don't know this. I, in heaven, we'll know. But could, if they had come forward and confessed their sin, could they have been covered? I wonder. But when the judge has to find you, then judgment comes because he can't be loving if he's not also just. But when the judge has to find you and you don't come and confess your sins, that's the whole point of Christianity. Confess your sins to God so that you can be forgiven. But if he's got to find you in the end, well, there's judgment. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you, watch this, who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Somebody else got in your Bluetooth and pointed you at me. Because you were never afraid of being this vulnerable and open with me before now, but now you're afraid. Who told you to add layers between us? Who told you to protect yourself from me? Somebody else did. Now, now, who aimed you at me? Adam makes a critical error. Who aimed you? That's what God is saying. Who told you? Who told you? Who told you? And Adam doesn't answer the question. He's saying, who's your real enemy? Know your enemy. Rage against the machine. No, you're, he's saying, who's the real enemy here? And you know what he does right now? It was the woman uh, you gave me. You know what he does? He does what you do. It's her fault. She gave it to me. I was just watching monkeys, man. I was minding my own business. Just watching a couple of monkeys. They were great. And the woman you gave me, God, actually, you made her for me, didn't you? And the devil's laughing. Because he got you in the deal, too. You were born into sin and the effects of sin and disease and wickedness. And, and, and when Adam gave this, he didn't answer God's question. Because the devil has pointed him at Eve now, and the devil has pointed him at God, and he blames both. That's, he said, and I ate it. Then the Lord asked the woman, what have you done? All y'all women think that you're off the hook, eh? You know what she does? He said, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied, that's why I ate. He didn't ask her any of those questions. He asked, he asked her, what, not why. Come on, ladies, don't make it more complicated than it is. What did you do? Not why and who gave it. What did you, and she blames the serpent, not the devil. She blames the serpent whom God made. Like, hey, you put this thing in the garden. Come on. She wasn't blaming this. She wasn't even thinking about the devil. She was just the serpent. You put this thing in the garden, God. It's the beginning of the competition. It's the beginning of the war that wasn't supposed to be a war. Same team. Yeah. We're same team. We're just sinners who need grace. We're supposed to be on the same team and the devil points us at each other all the time. Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and in pain you will give birth and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Don't get mad over me. That's God, what God is saying. 
I'm going to say something to the girls here. I'm going to release you from the war that you shouldn't be fighting at all because it's a huge distraction from who you really need to be fighting. And to the man, he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, you were supposed to communicate it, you were supposed to enforce it, you were supposed to take responsibility, and you did none of those things. Watch this curse. It's three times longer. The ground is cursed because of you. All your life, you will struggle to scratch your living from it. He's like, yeah, the girls are going to have a tough time in childbirth, but this is going to hurt you every single day that you get out of bed till you die. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. Now, I'm going to show you who the devil pointed us at. He said, for you were made from dust and to dust you will return. So I want to, I want to say this. This is always difficult when a guy preaches this to women. But, you know, I have five women in my house. I love them. They are daughters of God. But I would say to my daughter, so just take it like from that. I don't want anything from you. And I would say to my daughter, Katie, look, your struggle is not against men. Don't ever let the devil point you at men as if men are the problem. The problem is not men. The problem is the devil. It says your desire will be to control your husband. You'll never feel secure controlling your husband. You'll never feel secure controlling men. The only security that matters and will do anything in your life is the security that God, your heavenly father, brings to you. Your husband didn't make you. God made you. And don't ever think that you are less than because it's a man's world. And don't you fall for the trap and the lies that you can't because it's got nothing to do with the real war, the real war has already been won in the heavenlies and you are a, a daughter of heaven. You have the same birthright as Jesus, the son of the morning. So don't you ever think that you can't do something because a man has got nothing to do with nothing. It's the devil. Fight the devil because you have the same inheritance as every son of God. Come on, can I hear an amen? Don't try to control. Let me control. I got it. And to the men, he says something very deep, and we don't even know this about ourselves. Come on, girls, I'm going to help you. This is what the men in your life, the boys in your life struggle with. From dust to dust, every, every morning we wake up and we are comparing ourselves. Listen, the devil turned us. He might have turned you against us, but he turned us against ourselves. And right here, we want significance. We want to feel like what we did matter today. We want to feel like... We can rise out of that ground, but every morning we wake up, we're right back in the dust and from the ground. How humiliating every day, every day we wake up and we're like, we're still back in the ground. And to men, I would say this, and this is what you have to prophesy over them. And the only significance that we will ever have is in a cross planted in that earth. See, they were forbidden way for the, the, the way to the fruit of the tree of life, but the cross became a tree of life. But the cross is what Jesus died on. And the only way to significance men is when you get up on that cross that Jesus has for you and suffer and serve and die. But in the end, you don't get any significance. It all goes back to heaven. So just get comfortable with that. But get to heaven and, and just hear these words from your father. Well done, good and faithful servant. You did it. You hung on the cross. You, you paid for it. You served. You, you went lower than everybody else was willing to go. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would just sort out our hearts and our lives right now. We ask you to forgive us for fighting the wrong enemies. Paul was right. We, we are fighting against the wrong enemy. It's not flesh and blood. We're sorry for letting the devil aim us and point us at the wrong thing, Lord. We need to be blessing. We need to return curses uh, with blessings, oh God, over our lives, over our, our marriages, over our children. We need to speak the blessing of heaven on people not being competition anymore. In Jesus' name, amen.